it's a good shirt. Great shirt. I, uh, I love that shirt. All right, everyone, welcome uh, episode uh, 124, Franco 125, whatever. We've been doing this a while, and uh, it, it's it's. I'm happy to have this guest on uh, today as he pulls out his Larry David, you don't respect wood coasters. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I think the six-timer? I don't know how many times you've been on. Joy Rinaldi, everybody. Joy, what's up? Uh, I love that you asked me what episode you're recording. I, I didn't said, ask you what episode. You- oh, is that the audience? Is that to the audience? Yeah, I was like, I don't know what episode this is. Because like you said it as if I was like Jamie on the Joe Rogan experience. Like, <laughs> I would have like the numbers and data right there. But uh, no, I'm happy to be on. I think it's my fifth time or sixth time. Uh, something like that. You essentially, you are the uh, like non, it's like not official, but you are kind of like the co-guy of the show. You know what I mean? Well, well, I feel honored because I, I've always, the career I've always wanted to have was to be like the drug dealer character in Workaholics. Oh, yeah. Dude. yeah. So wait, uh, like Carl? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've, Carl. Always, I've always wanted to be the guy that's known for knowing the people in the thing, but they're not the guy who's doing the thing. Yeah. But then you, then you look in the background and you're like, oh, he actually does do the thing. Yeah. You're yeah. like that guy. You're like the star adjacent. You're adjacent to the stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was that us that was always saying something yeah, adjacent? Yeah, something adjacent. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. And, uh, so so uh, I, I'm, I'm glad that like I can have that fantasy lived out on Franco's world. Dude, it's always awesome to have you. It's so funny like how it all worked out. And now I'm up here uh, you know, in your apartment. And I live not that far from here. You know, We're kind of neighbors. It's great being neighbors. It's so – it's dude. It's it's great. We we have Sunday dinners. We go for walks in the park. You know, we're swapping recipes. It's great. You know, I come over for a cup of sugar. You come over and bang my wife. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> I just love when you throw a party. I get to just like take my sweet time, mosey on over. And then you even left your party to walk me home that one time. I did. You left your own party because you were like, it's a tough, short walk. I'll walk you home. I'm like, you, you're a gentleman. You're a scholar. Dude, I – the party's at my place, and I never lived in like a frat house in college. I lived by myself. Being the party house, it's pretty sweet. Your partying at your house is like Billy Bean from Moneyball. Oh, stop! No, you, it's, stop. it's Billy Bean from Moneyball. Stop that right because now! Because you show up. I, I gotta tell this to the listeners. All right, this, tell this, it because I great. don't know because I don't know what you're about to say. So tell it. You come to New York City. Yeah, I think you're there for like less than six days, and you're like, I'm gonna throw a party this week. And I was like, Frank, that's a bad idea. And you're like, why is it a bad idea? I'm like, well, you need friends to have a party. And you were like, no, dude, where I'm from, if you have a party, anyone who hears about it will show up and come. And I'm like, well, it's New York City. There's like options here. There's like clubs. There's other people with penthouses. Like <laughs> like Franklin Miller from West Virginia having a party. No one cares about. Sure enough, you had a party. I think like two people came. And I was like, welcome to New York. <laughs> and just like Billy Bean, you were like, no, no. This is uh, this is the beginning. You'll see. It'll keep building. And now you fucking you're like the Great Gatsby of the Upper East Side. You fucking throw parties all the time. There's fucking beautiful women in and out of the place. Oh uh, yeah. And, and now uh, were you there? Were you there the time I threw that Gatsby party and my ex girlfriend happened to be across like the street? Oh, and you were like standing outside your balcony crying. Yeah, I remember that. What the- <laughs> Dude, I remember I texted, I texted her. I was like, hey, you and like literally all of your friends can come over and look at my gorgeous penthouse and see how You called it a penthouse? That's what it is. Is that a penthouse? Yeah. Oh. That's what, I mean, that's what the leasing agreement said. (laughs) That's that's New York real estate for you. Yeah. Telling you anything to- It's a penthouse. To to, to spend one more extra K. 
it's a it was great though and it's like oh yeah come over bring everybody look how awesome i am and she's like i'm not gonna do that we've been broken up for a year you idiot you know what i mean dude the parties are great though you yeah you came to the last one dan carney made an appearance that was a great time dan carney had a lot of fun a lot of fun i introduced dan to five different groups of women if he did not close the deal with somebody it's on him it's on him but but you know what? As a, a friend once told me once, he says, uh, "And that friend is you. You don't always have to close, even if you have the deal." I am the king of just turning people down. I'm shocked because I, I I'm shocked that anybody throws himself at you at all. So <laughs> so the fact that you can turn people down is amazing. It's great. And I said I told I told the, I mean I told the New Year's story and then I told a t- told a couple other stories uh, to like uh, my friend groups, like my back home friend groups, and they're like. Franklin is such a, such a prime in his life where he is just actively turning down like these opportunities. You know what I mean? People fight, claw, scratch. They're like, please give me one opportunity with somebody. And I'm like, no, I don't want any opportunities. It's great. Well, you're like Chappelle. Didn't Chappelle like turn down like 20 pilots before the Chappelle show? I don't know. It's something like that. He either turned down 20 pilots or or a pilot uh, uh, crashed into 9-11 or something like that. Yeah. I don't know. Oh something Chappelle-related. <laughs> Chappelle-related. Dude, He's uh he's been tearing up the stand lately. You know what? I, I have not been down there in a minute. I should go the and The stand? No. I, I think the last time you went was probably when you and me were hanging out down there. Probably. Yeah. We shall. I Were you there... Uh, no, it might have been me and TJ Francis, but I went back to back nights and like just watched Shane Gillis back to back nights do fifteen minutes, and it was just incredible. The stuff Shane's doing right now is hilarious. Well, apparently, like Dave Chappelle, I, I heard this from like another comedy podcast. Like Dave Chappelle was at, at the at the cellar while Shane Gillis was on stage, and I got on stage with him. and was like, "This is the future Chappelle comedian." Or wow, I didn't know that, but I mean, honestly, he, I believe he, it. He Shane, had, he had like holy water that like, baptized them. The whole thing. Holy cow. I don't know about the holy water, but okay. everything else everything else I heard was true. <laughs> Dude, Shane's the man. Shane is the man. And getting, like, I guess canceled could have been the best thing to ever happen to him. Yeah, it's it's a funny story. It is. But we don't have to get into that. I, the thing, the funny story I do want to get into, Joey, is um, so you got this some one-man show coming up. So, yeah, on March 3rd at the Vino Theater, uh, it's in Brooklyn, uh, I'm doing my show potty training for the first time since 2017. And don't get me wrong, I've done parts of potty training within other elements, so like just doing stand up. Like yeah. But this is my first time actually doing the full thing since 2017. And this is kind of kicking off a bunch of shows I'll be doing because then um, this other theater called the 59, 15, I think it's called 59E59 Theater. Because it's on 59th, East 59th Street. Oh, okay. So, like, the theater itself is just called, like, 59th, 59th Theater or something. I, I don't know That's the name cool. of it. They, they actually are giving me a three-day run in July where I'll be doing um, three showings of potty training. And then I'm going to be going to Kansas City because they're doing the Kansas City Fringe Festival. And they're having me do a two-week stint at one of their theaters. Oh, my God. And then after that, I'm going to Edinburgh for the Edinburgh Fringe Festival with this theater called Greenside Theater. Edinburgh, Scotland? Yeah. I got some, I I know some other comics that are going out there just for like, they're, I don't know. They're just going. In August? Uh, I guess, yeah. August is the Fringe Festival, so. Is that like the big? Yeah. 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 Wait, which comics? Um, So, Maddie Ferrara, Joey D. Filippis, and Rhino Tool 
are doing like they've been working on a play or something like that, and they're going to perform it out there. And then uh, Brandon Barrera and TJ Francis were talking about also just going over there and doing stand up in the in the same theater that they're doing their play in. So if you guys are all going, I might have to hop a flight over. And, and it's in August for the festival. I'm I don't know. Oh, I'm just I, assuming it's the same. Like I, I gotta talk to them. Is it the big? Awesome. Is it the big arts festival? Like, yeah, yeah. It's got to be in Scotland. Yeah, it's got to be the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. It's got to be it. Yeah, so I'm going to do like I think I'm doing like 25 shows in August. Oh my god! And it's all around my one man show potty training. Dude, I might have to hop out there. <laughs> I might have to go. Uh, yeah, it's 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 it's, it's an intense, grueling thing for the performers going there. It's not like. Everything I've heard, like I, I think Hannibal made a movie about it. Yeah, he did it. Yeah. Uh, Ari, I've heard podcasts that Ari Shafir uh, did when he went out there. And it's basically like you're just like forced to only think about your one show every day for 30 days. And like all your free time is promoting the show because there's so many shows that like Ari Shafir was like, I'm pretty sure like saying that even though like he's Ari Shafir, he even went out there and balked a few times just to get some people in the last minute. Oh my God. Yeah. And so you're competing against everything under the sun like the same time you're doing your show there's also a ballet troupe doing a a, a, a nutcracker there's also a, a, a mime doing uh the a, a mime strip tease and there's also who knows girls popping eight balls in their assholes who knows oh yeah <laughs> i've seen that show i know but the, it, it, everything from comedy to theater to to clowning to i don't even know improv yeah. tons of shit dude all performing Every day from like 8 a.m. till 2 a.m. Every day for 30 days in August. How many times a night are you going to run the show? Well, I'm just going to – Just one. One time a night. Wow. And I'm only doing like 22 days, 23 days. Out Giving yourself some days off, going to explore the Scotland a little bit. I, I want to watch other shows. The, the, oh, sorry. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah, I want to watch other shows. I want to meet other comedians. I want to I want to do the thing. Yeah. Dude, you got to explore Scotland though. You got to get out there. I I think that this is not what's is Stonehenge out there. Get stone, go to Stonehenge. I, I don't think that I think like this fringe festival thing isn't like a time to explore Europe. It's like a time to like focus on one story and uh, okay. one one play and just like live in there. Like you're not supposed to like leave Edinburgh during the entire oh, thing. Okay, it's almost like it's almost like boot camp for yeah. creatives. Dude, you're gonna come back like uh, every that comes over there and does stand-up is probably going to come back so like militaristic yeah and they're just coming back and be like no i have to da, 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 da. here's what i'm doing yeah th- that's kind of why i'm, I'm i want to do it so badly i feel like i uh been in such a same not i, I wouldn't say funk but i just been the same routine in new york's comedy thinking like a new york comic hearing other new york comics talk i i, I want to see how my brain changes it's like yeah it's like literally like like, like taking different vitamins or something yeah like yeah. Getting a different way. And uh, but I'd love to tell you about the show. Dude, I want to know about the show. I want to know about the show. So so as far as I know from body training, uh, explain to me. I want to know the origin of it, not not how it happened and what's going on. We'll get into that later. But I want to know what made you want to turn it into a one-man show. How long did it take you to write it? How did you get it produced? How did you sell it? What have you. Because isn't that award behind you right now? <laughs> yeah. That Canadian, what's that? Is that from it? No, this is this is from a one man show I had called. Wait, let me tell the mic. That's from a one man show I had called Story Time with Joy Rinaldi. Okay. Because I did potty training in 2017. Loved potty training. It was fun. And then a few years later, I was like, I had so much fun doing a one man show. 
that I want to like redo potty training and make it better. Okay. But I don't feel as if I'm a good enough comedian to like do potty training justice right now. So maybe I can write another one man show and see how that goes. And it's basically that is not even like it, it, it's it's actually between you and me uh, and yeah, the listeners. Yeah, yeah, well, no, don't worry. Uh, uh, this is actually it was it was a ruse actually Ooh. to call it a one man show. Yeah. What really happened is I was doing a bunch of stand up and I had all these stories that were funny and like great and that were killing. And I was like, I love having these stories, but it was weird to do like a stand up set where like I do like two, because let's say I'm doing a 10 minute set, I'd have to do two minutes of stand up and then have to do an eight minute story. Yeah. I was like, but that's not, I wanted to get all these stories out. And, it's the, and no one's hiring me to do a headline. Yeah. But theaters like comedians who tell stories. And so I started talking about these theater people in New York City and whatnot. And they were like, if you have a show, it's a one-man show that's advertised as a one-man show that tells stories and not stand-up, you, you just got booked to anywhere. Wow. And next thing I knew, I fucking – it was basically just three long stories. It was, it was yeah. a half hour of – there was like three stories. And one was like eight minutes. One was like 12 minutes. And another one was like 10 minutes. Yeah. So three stories total. None of the stories were connected. And it was just stand-up basically. But storytelling, no props, and it was called, and, and I literally just called it story time with Joey Rinaldi because that's what it was. It was me telling three stories. Yeah. Next thing I knew, my friend Lewis was like, "Hey, can I film it?" I'm like, "Sure, film it." He filmed it. We sent it off to a few film festivals as like a stand-up special thing, and I won a couple of awards. The funniest award I won is I won best comedy at the Little Rock, Arkansas Italian American Film Festival. Which, listen how funny that is. The Little Rock, Arkansas, Italian-American Film Festival. Do you have that award on you? Do you have it here? No, I don't think they sent Some awards. They don't send it out. They're just like, hey, you got it this year. Yeah, I, I, I won it. I'm proud of it. It feels good. That's funny, man. Yeah. So but th this was the most prestigious one because this was for the... Talking to Mike. This is the 2021 Best Stand-Up of the Canadian International Comedy That is Festival. actually really cool. That is actually really cool. And I think I was with you when you got that email. I think that was when I was up here visiting you got that yeah, email. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, no way. Holy shit. You're like, best stand-up? I'm, I'm I was the best stand-up at something. I don't know how many stand-ups were involved, but fuck them. I was the best one. You were the best one in Canada, which is a country also. So that's good. Yeah. That's big. They speak English up there somewhat. Somewhat. Yeah. yeah, yeah that's hey. good. I'd want to know, but uh, back to the potty training story. So- you know, I, I kind of know its origin, but you have to tell me, man, like how long did it take for you to create this and, and how long did you run it for? So, you know, what? I, I, I've talked about potty training at length before, but here's a story that I don't think I've ever told anybody. Okay. I was in London. I was studying abroad for a summer with NYU mm -hmm. and there's like, like film program where we were like learning about like screenwriting and whatnot. And uh, the first like week I was there, I was like, like I, no matter what, no, I could go to sleep at two a.m., eight p.m. No matter what time I went to sleep, I would wake up at five a.m. Wow! And there was this cafe that was like open at five a.m. every day. Yeah. Uh, and my class didn't start till like nine a.m. And so my first week there, every day, I would go to that cafe, drink some tea, eat some eggs, and just listen to a stand-up comedy album every day. I was just listening to a new album every single day. And at this point, I was trying to be Chappelle. I was trying to be Louis C.K. Yeah. And it, it was I was learning that my brain does not work that way. The jokes Louis C.K. writes, the way the jokes Chappelle writes, my brain. I was like, I don't know why I can't. Maybe, I was like, maybe I'm just not a comedian. I don't. I don't know what the fuck yeah, I'm yeah, doing. Yeah. It was like one of those things. And so, and I literally just like found some like dumb blog, like the ten best stand ups 
albums on Spotify. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I was listening to all of those. And Mike Babiglia's my girlfriend's boyfriend was on it. Mm-hmm. And I remember my friend, actually, I was going to say friend. I don't remember her name. A girl that I was friendly with in the program was happened to be at the cafe that day. And I didn't know she was in there. But after um, I left, she came up to me later that day being like, hey, I saw you in the cafe this morning. I was going to say hi, but you look like you were having a really emotional like day. Like you were just sitting there like like you were in a trance. I don't know what was going on, but you you look you look like you were going through something. Do you need to talk? Do you need a hug? And I was like, no, I, I'm good. I was listening to a comedy special. But the thing is, she was. She, it was weird that she was able to pick that up. Yeah. It changed my life. Listening to my girlfriend's boyfriend in that cafe in London changed my life because I was just because I was. It was more than listening to a comedy special. It was me listening to a type of comedy I've never even heard before. My whole life, all the comedy I heard was like. The shit I grew up listening to was like Dane Cook, Chappelle, and like Gallagher, and fucking uh, who's that other guy with the puppets, Jeff, uh, Dunham, Jeff Dunham, and like uh, uh, the the Fluffy, 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 Jim Gaffigan, like Seinfeld. These are the guys that I thought I didn't. I I, I was stupid. I I didn't know there was that much comedy. Yeah, I, I was I was a young ignorant comedian, and so I find this guy Mike Babiglia, and he's talking about traumatic sad cringy things and you know me i love sad traumatic cringy things yeah yeah. and so i'm just like fucking sitting like i'm not i can do comedy now i can i understand comedy i don't i don't fucking need to do uh louis ck bits about fucking gorillas or Chappelle bits about how the the black man is being suppressed i remember i was trying to write bits of like how is how can i talk about uh, 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 segregation and make it funny from a white, from a yeah. Connecticut white guy. Like, by the way, I love all this. I love political humor. I want to make prolific jokes one day. But at the time, I was like 20 years old, yeah. 21 years yeah. old. And I was like, I don't fucking know anything about, I'm not smart. <laughs> <laughs> and so when I found this Babiglia thing where he's talking about girls breaking his heart when he was in sixth grade to, uh, he had a bladder issue. Mm-hmm. I was having all this like shit in my mind. I'm like, I had a bladder issue. Girls broke my heart in sixth grade. And so I, I remember I went as soon as class ended that day, I went and I, start, I wrote the first draft of potty training basically right there. And then what year was this? 2016? Uh, this was 20, this was the summer of 2016. Wow. And I, um, I had like some roommates who I don't keep in touch with. It was so weird. Like that summer we were all so close. Don't keep in touch with any of them. I don't know if any of them keep in touch with each other. I don't know. Are they even alive? You know, <laughs> they're probably alive. I hope they're back on one. Well, who knows? COVID. We just had a pandemic. It, knocked a couple of them out. It, it definitely could knock some of them out. I don't know. But I remember, like that night, we got really, really drunk, and like we were doing that every night in, in uh, nice. London. We were drinking every single night, and we would like just talk about everything. And I got so drunk that I actually was like, "Guys, I wrote this thing today. I don't know if you'll like it or not, but like." I think that's a new style of comedy for me. I think like I'm going to change the whole way I do comedy yeah. now. And they're like, okay, new style of comedy. Here we go. And I literally did like the first draft of potty training to them. And they were like, oh, that's not you. You don't want to do that's bad. Like they, they were trying, they were like, that's bad. Not funny. It's weird. It's emotional. Why is it a little, why are you telling this cringy story about you breaking your penis? Who, who cares about that? And I'm like, oh, maybe, maybe I won't do this. <laughs> Thank God you didn't listen to them. No, I, I, 
I had such a big ego. I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna prove them wrong. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make this successful in spite of them. Then, then now look at me now, Canadian number one. Comedian. The Little Rock, Arkansas Italian American comedian of the year. <laughs> <laughs> During a shortened pandemic year, when I presume the majority of Long Island Italian American comics probably got wiped out, so they probably, <laughs> they probably thin the herd a little bit as far as submissions go. When I heard Little Rock, Arkansas Italian American, my first thought was. Is this where all the Nazis, Italian uh, Italians from Mussolini and the Nazis all like fled to? Little Rock. <laughs> they all just fled to Little Rock. They were like, okay, we hung Mussolini, but we still are, are fascists. So let's fucking get the fuck out of here. Yeah, dude. All it is is just a bunch of Joe Pesci's from, uh, whoa, my God, I lost it. The name of my cousin Vinny. It's just like my cousin Vinny. They're just out there in the country yeah. doing these comedy things. That's what I. That's what's in my mind as far as this goes. But we got to... Uh, so for those that, that don't know, if you want to do a little teaser as, as far as like uh, potty training the story itself, if you'd like to set it up or, or maybe explain like the real life, how that sort of played out. Yeah. So so I know on your podcast and most podcasts I'm on, I speak in hyperbole. So when mm-hmm. they heard me say uh, broke my penis, they mm-hmm. probably thought I was kidding. Right. No, that's what potty training is about. Potty, it's called potty training because I had six months of my life from April 2010 till September 2010, where my uh, bladder stopped working and I couldn't urinate. I had to wear a catheter. And what do you mean? It just like wouldn't like urine just wouldn't. So uh, uh, I, I I thought I told you this story. I'll just tell it to you again in case you forgot. I uh, centrally um, was an idiot. And uh, uh, I was like watching like poor core videos, American Ninja Warrior, yeah. that show Wipeout. Oh, yeah. And so like I just like thought like it was cool to do like stuff like stunts or obstacle courses and one thing led to another i was roughhousing and i led to like me falling on a folding chair and the folding the top of the folding chair hit my penis and after it hit my penis it literally like in one swoop motion folded backwards really fast while i was in a split position and like fucking spang where my bladder is in my body i guess like right above like where my belly button is banged it so hard that it caused like internal bleeding instantly and uh, I, I remember like, uh, I took my pants off and went to the bathroom and like, it looked like my penis was like bright red, but not like red in like the way that like it is when it's hard. Like <laughs> it, it, it looked like, uh, like my veins were popping out of my penis. Oh my God. Yeah. It looked like I bursted an artery or something. And you're like a hospital now. Yeah. And so, uh, my, I, I always find this funny. My school calls an ambulance. My mom, my, they, I call my mom and I was one of those private schools. I was like 20 minutes away from my, my town and there's a five, an ambulance, like a hospital five minutes away. My mom beat the ambulance. <laughs> I don't know how she beat the ambulance. Because all I said was like, mom, can you pick me up? I think I got to go to the hospital. She was like, hospital? I'm on it. <laughs> and and, and th- this is in the one-man show, but I think it's so funny. Hospital? That, th- 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 this is in the, the one-man show, but it's so funny that I, I'll tell it uh, here too. Yeah, yeah. Um, my mom's driving to the hospital already on the phone with a urologist that like she personally knows like he's like a family friend he actually did a procedure on me a few years earlier because of something i had and while and while she's on the phone with my urologist's office the the the, the receptionist tells my mom oh uh the urologist can't help your son because he just died (laughs) and so my mom is freaking out she's like you're going to die, and the guy that's going to save you is dead, and you should have done this two weeks ago when the guy was still alive. How? Why did you wait till he died to break your penis, you fucking asshole? Like, this is what she's saying to me while she's driving me to the hospital <laughs> as I'm, like, peeing blood out my dick. Don't know what the fuck's going on. And then we go to the hospital. There's a line out the door, Franklin, 
And my mom was oh like, Oh my God. And my mom was like, my son's peeing blood. Can everyone get the fuck out of the way? She was like, Moses, she parted the fucking red sea of my cock. Just threw everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and, and there I am. And I'll never forget this. Um, I, 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 I now know, um, all about like transgender people now. Yeah. And, and I live in New York and I have friends who are transgender, but I was like in this fever, like state peeing blood, losing blood. I actually had to get a blood transfusion immediately because that's how much blood I was losing. Oh my God. Yeah. So it's just pouring out of your body. Well, it, a little bit was pouring out of my body. This, the scary thing is I was internally bleeding. So I was like losing blood that was already that, but like inside of me, which because apparently like, I, I don't know. I don't know much about internal bleeding. How does that work? But yeah. Cause it, it was like, it was inside of me, but it was going out the, it wasn't, it wasn't in the proper place blood's supposed to be. It's like spilling out of your arteries, I guess. Or, oh my God. So, or whatever it's called. So I need a blood transfusion. So this is crazy. And while this is happening, <laughs> while this is happening, this guy or girl, this transgender person who, who looked at a guy who's dressed up as a girl, like, uh, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to uh, We I, know what you mean. It's I was okay. 14. I was 14. Joey, and, it's okay. And I was saying, me being so confused at 14 years old by this person's appearance saved my like my 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 like mental my mentality because like, w- like all this bad stuff was happening they were putting shots at me they were asking all these questions and the whole time this like sweet transgender person was just like being like you're gonna be okay you're gonna be okay you're gonna be okay you're gonna be okay and i was so focused on thinking of like should i call her like her or him that it made me like escape any like bad thoughts because i was too busy trying not to offend this person right <laughs> like not trying to like and, and and he or she was asking me a lot of questions like i had to respond to and i was trying i kept more about being polite than i did about dying at that moment <laughs> and i love this person <laughs> by far the best nurse sweetest nurse i ever had yeah uh, I, I haven't if i ever see this person again i gotta i want to give them a big hug uh and, and it was funny like being polite to this person is what like I think I would have passed out and had like a mental breakdown if it wasn't for my confusion. Yeah. Oh my god. And so uh, then, so then you get you get uh, some sort of surgery. Did they make you have surgery or so? This is just the catheter. This is basically what happened. Uh, there was an amazing surgeon who, luckily, was on call that night. Apparently, like this surgeon, like does a favor to the hospital. Like, like once a month, she'll go on call. But like she has a private practice person. She doesn't really need to be at the ER like that. But she she does it once a month or something. Thank God she was on call because they were doing surgery on me, apparently doing the wrong surgery on me. She sees and goes, fuck this. This hospital is not equipped for this. This is a specialized hospital 30 minutes away. We have to sew this guy back up. So they have to sew me back up, put me in an ambulance, sent me to the hospital 30 minutes away where they did a a blood transfusion on me. Then after the blood transfusion, they went and did the proper surgery on my bladder. And I wake up. And I'm just, I have a catheter in me. I fucking, I'm peeing blood out of a tube. I'm so confused. I'm like, what is this thing inside my penis? What's going on? And, and here's the, the kicker. That night, I was supposed to go on a date with a girl. Uh, like a first date, like a middle school date. Like we were going to go to the movies. And I was like, oh, it's I'm, I'm going to kiss her probably. Yeah, it's big. You ever go to the movies in middle school? Oh, yeah. Put your arm around a gal. Watch uh, Night at the Museum too. <laughs> <laughs> have a ball. I don't even remember what movie we're going to see. Probably Shrek 3 or something. It wasn't Shrek Three because I had a traumatic experience taking girls to to Shrek 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 Three, and I thought I was gonna make out with this girl. It turns out she didn't want to make out with me, and they just like left me and my friend in the movie. Like we just got stuck in Shrek Three, and they just walked out. Wow. Yeah. So I remember that. That was traumatic. So you were supposed to go on this date with this girl. 
and then you did obviously you couldn't did you ever so by you the, had a phone at this time right you yeah i had a cell phone so by the time i woke up it was like 9 or 10 p.m past the date and i just tell my mom like mom i can i get my cell phone she goes true uh you just woke up from a very like three like basically three different surgeries and like oh or what like a short period of time she's like you should um just eat some ice chips like, like that when you wake up i've had so many surgeries in my life really well, from this alone, I did like five surgeries throughout that time period of just of, of just in that summer alone. And so I know a lot about surgeries. And what I learned is they wait, they want you to eat ice chips. I don't know what it is, but they're like, eat ice, eat ice, eat ice. So I'm waking up. Mom's like, can you just eat this fucking ice? I'm like, I can't eat the ice. I need my cell phone because I got to talk to the love of my life, mom. Right. And I, I, remember, I remember calling her and I don't know what the fuck I said to her. I was so fucked up because I was on morphine. I didn't, oh I couldn't process God. that I was high. So I'm just fucking on the phone with her. Being like, I love you. I love you. I can't come to the date. Don't. Uh, I'm in the hospital. If I die, just know it was always you, baby. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Jesus Christ. Well, you're not with her anymore. I was never with her. I, I never even kissed her. I, 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 I think I professed my love to her. Like, like, after, like once I got better, I was like, hey, my penis works now. The thing. <laughs> How long were you out of commission for? Six whole months. Wow. Those are formative years. Those are years where you're like, oh, what's this thing do? You know what I mean? I know. I was like, I just start, I just started jerking off like two months before that or three months before that. And I was pretty excited to just jerk off every day for the rest of my life. You yeah. Know? <laughs> every day. I was, I was pretty. I was, every day for the rest of my life. I was pretty committed to it. Franklin. Yeah. And uh, I had a catheter and I still jerked off. With the catheter in? Still, I didn't. No. Yeah. Uh, it, it, come on. You don't need to fluff it up for this for the show. Come on. Be serious. I'm not proud of it. Joey. It was, is that like dangerous? Oh, yeah. When I told my doctor, they were not happy. And it was one of those things where like I, I, never, I never sat down with my laptop being like, I'm going to jerk off right now. Yeah. It was one of those things as if like, uh, you know that song, um, uh, that Christmas song, I really can't stay. Baby, it's cold outside. It was like, it was like my hand and my doing that song to my dick. Like literally like my dick was like, no, I can't do this. And my hand just like, I just be like watching like Twilight and there'd be like a, a sexy scene with Rosalie, who's one of the Cullen yeah. sisters. And I'd be like, that girl's pretty hot. So she looked like that porn star. Let me just Google what that porn star looks like. Oh wait, wait! Did, did I? Did she have a new video? Let me look. And then next thing I know, I'm just jerking off. But it never was like it never was supposed to be a jerk off because it's just you're 14, you're horny, and wow, with the catheter in, bro, that can't feel good. If you're horny enough, anything can feel good. <laughs> <laughs> it's spoken like a true sleaze. Jesus Christ, <laughs> anything can feel good. Well, dude, I remember this one thing. I there was this girl, Courtney who I was on and off with from yeah. like seventh grade to like ninth grade. Uh-huh. And, and we basically, we, I don't think we ever liked each other like romantically. It was just like, she was hot and she, for some reason thought I was hot. Hell yeah. And we like, she had other boyfriends. I had other girlfriends and stuff, yeah. but it was this weird thing where like, we would try stuff on each other. Like I remember like the first time she sent a nude, she was like, Hey, I never sent the nude before. Can I send you a nude? I'm like, send me a nude. Do it up. Wow. And, and, like, and I was like, I was like, Hey, I'm self-conscious about my dick size. Can I send you a picture of my dick? Tell me if it's good or not. She goes, it's good. Like, you know what I mean? Like it was like, we, it was like, we had this like, weird 
sexual, like puberty, like like figuring it out, working on your night moves. Don't even know if you're doing it right. Yeah, like I remember, like she like like wanted to like hook up with this one guy, and I was like, let me teach you how to French kiss you, whore. You know what I mean? Like it was, nice. Like, it was, like, and, I, and I remember like, I set her up with guys, and she set me up with girls, but like, we just had this like weird like. Uh, Neil Maxwell, uh, <laughs> Epstein type of fucking. I don't like the fact that you motioned at me like I was supposed to like give you like knowledge into that lifestyle. <laughs> no. You point at me, you go, you know Epstein. You you've you're affiliated. Well, 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 well it, it, I just made that comparison because we we're two, we we're a guy and a girl hooking each other up with other like preteen oh, age people. Yeah, yeah. So so it kind of worked. <laughs> <laughs> Granted, we were also preteen teenage yeah, age. Ladies and gentlemen, he was also a teenager. I just want to put that out there. And so I remember she came over one day because we were friends. Yeah. She came over one day because, like, you know, like we were friends. Yeah. And she was like, oh, like I made you cookies. My mom, t- your mom told my mom that you were dying. So like, <gasps> yeah. here's cookies, you know, let's hang yeah. out, let's watch a movie. And then she's but, like, I want to see the catheter. Well, she hit over the catheter. I, I, I was trying my best to keep it a secret. But we basically uh, started making up because, like, that was what we did. Like, we, we didn't even, we didn't like each other frequently. We just would make out with each other. It was just a thing we did. I get it. So the it's two of us. Transactional. We're making out. And I'll never forget this. She goes to grab my cock. <gasps> and she grabs the catheter. I push her away very fast. But she felt it enough to feel, like, my dick in the tip of the tube. And so she just goes, has you gotten bigger? <gasps> so I think she thought the tube was part of the dick. I don't know. She's a young girl. She doesn't know what she's feeling. Yeah. It could have been a pencil for all you know. And like, I just remember. She's like, wow, you're stacked. And she basically was like, I would love to blow you right now. And I was like, fuck. This girl wanted to blow me. And I couldn't do it because I fucking broke my penis trying to be American Ninja Warrior or some shit. <laughs> Oh my god! You know that scene from Austin Powers where uh, he's in the jumbo jet with uh, with Felicity, and he's like, he just got unfrozen, and he goes, "Can we shag, baby? I gotta see if my bits and pieces are still working." Yeah, that's what it was. As soon as my catheter came out and my dick was fine and I could jerk off again, without yeah, you're going feeling- crazy. I bet, I bet, as soon as they took that catheter out, you were like a monkey on a. Well, I don't even know. Every yeah. girl, every girl, I was like, I gotta see my bits and pieces are still working. Yeah. I was saying that to every girl, and they they, they found it creepy. They're not no girl. Like, yeah, that you're like, hey girls, you let me show you my Johnson here real quick, and then they're like, what? what like, what's this guy? Doing? The scars are almost gone. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> they're almost gone. They're Jesus al- Christ, man, that would have been. Tra- you seem to have taken it in stride. That would have traumatized me for for a while. It traumatized my mom. Uh, it did not traumatize me. I just had this weird feeling of like, I'm not out of the game. <laughs> Are you kidding? Like, I love that. Like, I remember being in the hospital and being like, you could die. You could be paralyzed the rest of your life. You could, your penis may never work. Oh, by the way, they, my injury wasn't a common injury. It wasn't like, yeah, no. oh, you, you broke your collarbone. Oh, uh, you have a, a sprained ACL. No, no, no. The, the surgeon before I went under was like... We don't really know what's wrong with you, so we're gonna just cut you up and hope for the best. That was like, and then I passed that. That was like the last thing I heard. Why would they say that? I, I in my one man show, I I have a joke where I'm like, I don't care if your surgeon thinks you're gonna die. You want your surgeon to tell you, peeing blood out your dick happens every day. Like, you know what I mean? You want? Be like, don't worry, we'll we'll fix this right up. Yeah, like, like, like 
this guy was saying all the wrong things. And I'm thank God that that my that the other doctor who saved my life, uh, Doctor Dyer, wherever the sh- hell she is, she's an angel. Her last name's Dyer, though. Kind of weird. Dyer. Dyer. D y e r. Yeah. Dyer. Yeah, yeah. It's, you, oh, you, well, I get what you're saying. You don't want to die. A, a die, a surgeon die. Okay, I get it. You don't want to die in the thing, but Dr. Dyer saved my life. She's a sweet lady. There's another doctor, too, named Dr. Rita, who, who is, this is hilarious. Dr. Rita was like, he was this bald dude who I think was from Boston. He had like a really funny accent. Yeah. And I, I am mean, like, he, have you ever seen Office Space? Oh, yeah. You know the guy who's like, jump to conclusions? Yeah. So he looked like that guy. Yeah. He looked like the jump conclusion guy, but taller. More like Boston, Dr. Rita. And he was obsessed with catheters. Like catheters was like his favorite thing in the world. So he installed it. He installed it. And I remember like I woke up one day because I had many surgeries that summer. And one of the surgeries I woke up from, he was having a conversation with my dad. And I remember like my dad and him were like, my dad's like, wow, you think catheters can save everything? He goes, every problem in life, catheter could save. And they were like. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like, like just this, stick a catheter in. This is the same time as that oil spill in. Oh my god! What was that oil spill? BP in uh, Louisiana. Yeah, he goes. What they gotta construct? My dad's in Dallas. He goes, Alice. What they gotta construct is a ginormous catheter to go in there, and that would save the whole thing. You'll get all the oil out. And then my dad's like, uh, "What about this financial crisis? What they gotta do is make a financial <laughs> catheter, and then get all this money fixed. Like anything my dad did. Like I remember, like they were having this like thirty minute conversation, and my dad came up to me like. This guy knows a lot about catheters. We're in good hands. <laughs> I remember like my dad, he felt so like safe because he got this guy. This is one thing he knows. He knows catheters. This guy knows catheters, man. So you were out when they put it in, right? They didn't. I was completely out when they put it in. I was completely awake and aware when they took it out. They didn't lube it up or anything. They just yunk, ranked it right. They out. just clanked it out my cock. And you're just like Jesus. And, and my mom and dad insisted on standing over me and watching this oh wow and it's like birth you're like birthing a child it was very yes i'm birthing a child you're like legs are up in the stirrups and they're like all right here goes Funk. just pull it out it was insane and and i remember this i remember like my penis yeah was so small when they yanked it out my penis like i, I know people say like cold water makes your penis small nerves taking a catheter up. out of your penis makes your penis it was like a skittle it was so tiny. And my mom and dad were standing over me for whatever reason they wanted to watch this. And I don't know what came over on me. I just had to tell them, like, guys, I know you don't care, but uh, my cock's much bigger than this. This is a bad representation. Like, I want you to know your son is well in doubt. This is a bad, this is a bad look. <laughs> and your dad's like, yeah, yes, son. Yeah, I, I totally understand. <laughs> I get it. Yeah, mine, me too. Me too, son. <laughs> I know. That's I know. your mom. Yeah, absolutely. Jesus Christ. And so this happened middle. You said middle school. Uh, I was actually I was fourteen. I was repeating eighth grade when this happened. Okay. So it happened at the end of eighth grade. Going into ninth. Yeah, wow. and like it was already embarrassing that I was repeating eighth grade. So so I went from the no, but like in middle school, I, it was embarrassing that I was already the oldest kid there. Mm-hmm. And now I went from being the oldest kid there to the oldest kid there who got caught, who had to pee blood in front of everybody at school. So you were so the injury happened at school. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you said the school ambulance. I, I don't know why I thought it happened in, like, a basement of, like, your house or something like that. No, so, like, I wish. That so you guys were just, like, chiller. showing off, jumping over chairs. And- so I, I'll tell you that what really happened. I was rehearsing for the middle school play Godspell. Uh-huh. It was my first time ever doing anything. It's funny that this was my first time doing anything theatrical. And it's funny that the first time I ever did theatrical led to this. my most and theatrical And now look play. at yourself. 
Yeah. Now you've won the Canadian International Film Festival Story of the Year. Stand up. Stand up. Sorry, excuse me. So uh, I uh, I just quit baseball. You'll love this. I just quit baseball that year wow. because I was afraid of the ball. Right. I was good at baseball until kids started pitching faster. Yeah. Because I, I got I joined this like 13, 14 year old league for like high school and middle, like it was like the best middle school or worst I guess like being in high school is yeah and dude there was this kid Liam O'Neill I was playing third base I he this guy's like six four in eighth grade hit a rocket rocket down the third base line and it, it was like right there and then I was like I'm done this is I'm over I don't care yeah baseball's not I don't worth play it anymore yeah it, it almost hit my face it was scary it could have killed me I feel like it felt could have like, killed me. Baseball's scary. So I quit baseball. My, I was smoking a lot of pot. I, I, nice. I, I got like there was like one time a cop had to like drive me home. There was it was like I was I was I was getting kicked out of class for going down a, the road feeling bad, Joe. Going down the road feeling bad. And so my mom was like, I'm not gonna you can't just quit baseball. Like you, you need after school activities, you fucking loser. I'm not yeah. gonna let you just be a burnout. Yeah. So she was like, You have to fucking you have to do something. Yeah. So I was like, I'm funny. I'm a comedian. In my mind, I was like, I'm a comedian. Let me audition for the funny role at the school play, not knowing it's a musical. So if I can show up and they go, can you sing? Can you dance? Can you act? I'm like, I can tell a joke. They were like, eh, wrong answer. <laughs> so, so like they have these chorus lines in musicals where like, it's like a group of people. Like, it's like the, the, the songs, the extras sing basically. Right. So that's what I'm in. Even, even though I'm in the extra group, my, my, my director's like, Joey, you have to lip sync because you are not helping the play. Really? So, yeah, I can't sing. You've that, heard me sing. I know, but that's me. You're in middle school. Yeah, but uh, this guy, he's ruthless. <laughs> he, I guess. He's so. unfiltered. His Gestapo-like tactics from middle school choir. Jesus. So, I, I, I hate it there. I'm not having fun. I, I'm miserable. Mm-hmm. There was this one hot girl named Izzy who... Still is hot today. I, I, nice. I saw her on Instagram recently. Nice. Oh, beautiful oh, girl. Gorgeous. So like, I, I'm there just like flirting with Izzy the whole time, trying to fucking, you know. You were a handsome kid back then. I saw pictures of you playing basketball and stuff like that. <laughs> well, that was actually my awkward phase. Like when I repeated eighth grade, I was going through some shit. I, I was weird. Um, yeah, you were weird then. I was. I was. Oh, you. I got better. <laughs> so, anyways. We would do like these five minute breaks. You know when the director's like, take five. Yeah, you know, take, like, oh, five. take five. Take, take five. Uh, you know, middle school kids are stupid. Yes. There was like all these like folding chairs. And middle school kids are show offs. Yeah. Are you showing off? Stupid. So there was like all these like folding chairs. There was like all these like props. And so sometimes like we would like jump over them. Like, we'd be like, let's jump over these props. Let's jump over these chairs. And so we, so there was like this one time where there was like literally like a roll of folding chairs next to the theater. And there was a, a, the stage and there was like a, a fucking beanbag chair yeah and i was like what if like could we like run across the top of the chair that was what we were trying to like see if we were nimble enough to, like run across the top of the chairs and like jump onto like the beanbag chair uh-huh. and so i do it and i i did it it was nailed I, it I nailed it nobody was watching so i was like oh i gotta do it again so people can see how badass i am and, and uh maybe i'm a little cocky because i did it once already right this time i go to do it the chisels collapse <laughs> as they should the chairs just fucking collapse. I fucking land in a split position, collapse, hits my dick. And you're like screaming. And- yeah, I'm screaming. And, and I, there was a lot of, there's so many weird things that happened before my mom picked me up. A lot of weird things. But the weirdest thing that happened was a year earlier, I had a teacher who had diabetes. Mm-hmm. And she would, and I would see her like eat fruit randomly throughout the day. And I was like, why do you eat fruit? Like, why are you always eating fruit? And she was like, well, I have diabetes. So whenever I feel dizzy, 
lightheaded, nauseous, like I'm about to pass out, I ate a little bit of fruit, and I'm back to normal. Okay? Yeah. So I just fucking hit my penis. I'm fucking peeing blood. And guess what I'm feeling? Lightheaded, nauseous, about to pass out. And so I fucking yell. I'm like, can somebody get me fucking fruit? And my fucking like director was like, why? I'm like, I don't know. Apparently, when you're about to pass out, you need fruit. And he's like, okay, there's a teacher's lounge. Give me five minutes. And then he came over like cut up oranges. And I'm just like fucking inhaling these <laughs> oranges. And I fucking, I remember like in the ambulance, I woke up when I was in the ambulance. I, 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 they were, like, I passed out in the ambulance. Remember I woke up and threw up and, and, uh, and, and they were like, did you eat fruit? I was like, yeah, because of the thing. I didn't want to like pass out. So I thought food would help them. They go, no, it's only for diabetic people. Especially when you're getting surgery, the last thing you want to do is have food in your body. So, like, the anesthesia, so apparently I threw up all the fruit. Well, they put, like, morphine in me or anesthesia yeah. in me. Yeah. So, I threw up all this fruit, and they were, like, making, like, the, like, the, the, the paranoia like, making oh. fun of me. Like, you fucking retard? Why the fuck do you, <laughs> you eat fruit? <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know. I thought I was having a diabetic shock. They're like, are you diabetic? I'm like, never been diagnosed, but you never know. <laughs> never know. You never know. Oh, my God, dude. <laughs> <laughs> How silly is that? Dude, I, I can't wait to see this show, man. I can't wait to see this show. I can't I could see it. I mean, I watch clips of it, like, on the online version, but to see it in its entirety in person, it will be uh, something. And it's much better because uh, when I did it originally, I was a senior in college. Uh-huh. I I was literally doing five minutes of, of – I was doing open mics, doing three to five minute open mics, yeah. barely getting on shows. And when I was on, was on, when I was on shows, I was doing three to five minutes – even then really? too. Yeah. So I was getting no stage time and I wrote this half hour show and I had never had a chance to perform it. So the one time I did it was that one time. Right. So it was actually a very bad representation of me because it was my first and only time doing that half hour. I'm sure it's gotten like tighter, cleaner since you've. It's gotten, t- actually it's gotten less tight because I, I, I give myself more room to like riff with the audience. Ah, okay. So it's, it's, it's less tight, but more my, it's more Joey. Right. When it was because it was so tight before, like every single word was like rehearsed mm-hmm. to the point where it's like I felt like a robot on stage. Mm-hmm. Now it's looser, which makes it less tight. But I sound I sound like myself. Like when I watch that movie, I'm like, who is that guy? Yeah, you're playing. Yeah, yeah. Now, now you actually are. You feel comfortable in your own skin on stage. You feel like this is a better representation of yourself. Yeah. Right. Wow. And so I my first two dates though are March third at the Vino Theater in Brooklyn. And then March 26th on uh, at the Curtain Call Theater in Stamford, Connecticut, in my wow. hometown. Before, hometown, baby. So those are my first two shows before the summer. Where, like, in the summer, I'm going to be doing t- t- a ton, ton in different cities, different towns, your mom's house, wherever. Hell yeah. <laughs> Joe's on the road, folks. You got to catch him, Joe. If there's one thing you learn out of the whole breaking your, your penis uh, scenario, what do you think like, the biggest takeaway was from this whole thing? Like, what did you learn throughout the entire ordeal? Uh, I yeah. learned that um, good friends and family can make anything in life be chill. Yeah. Because I I did not have a single bad day during this time period when, like, doctors were like, well, you may die. We don't know. You may be paralyzed the rest of your life. You may never properly jerk off again. Oh, and, like, that's been a time- killer for you. And during this time, yeah, it, 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 it devastating. <laughs> and during this time, 
I think this is what saved my life. I, I think the reason why I was able to make a full recovery, they thought I'd make a full recovery in like two to three years. I made a full recovery in six months. Wow. I think the reason why I made a full recovery so fast is because I had good friends. I had good family. Like my mom and my siblings and my cousins were always hanging out with me, coming over, making me laugh. Like, like I, I had a friend who, who was a few years older than me who had a license that would drive me to the movies like once a week, just take me to a movie. Wow. And so I never had time to be alone with my thoughts. Like I never had a moment to be alone with my thoughts about like, oh, this is scary because I remember like people were just constantly helping me out. And so I feel lucky and fortunate that I was blessed with friends and yeah. family. Yeah. And if anybody's going through a hard time, I don't know if you're depressed or have anxiety or have a life-threatening injury. I don't know what's going on in your life. But uh, tell your friends and family about it because I bet just telling them about it will make you feel better. And them making fun of you about it will weirdly be cathartic. And because yeah. they, my cousin Sal easily made me feel great the whole fucking summer. But he was also the guy who made me feel the worst the whole fucking summer because every time I talked to my cousin Sal, he was like, What's up, broken penis? Dumb Joey <laughs> ass. This guy, I can't even have sex with a girl who wants to fuck him because he has no penis. This guy sucks. And, and literally, him saying that, was funny enough to make me not feel sad about having a broken penis. Yeah. What makes you feel bad about a broken penis if a guy was like, dude, I'm so sorry. Your penis can't work. Oh. But instead, my cousin Sal gave me nuggies and shit. Yeah. So, yeah, if you're, if you're sad or stressed out or dying, talk to somebody. Talk to talk to Joey Rinaldi. He'll help you out. I'm very fortunate to have a good friend like like you and 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 uh, all the kind of things you said over the years and, and convinced me to get up here and do my thing. And, and it's really great, man. I'm very appreciative to have a great friend like you in my corner, man. And I, I'm so happy that I convinced you to move to New York City great. and live near me because I selfishly had no friends until you came here. So like, I, I needed you. Yeah, I, I was lost in the city without you. You were lost without but me. I, I needed you. So You uh, complete me. You, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I have a whole bit about that 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 quote from Jay McGuire. Really? Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. we'll uh, let the fans uh, hear it. We'll hear it a different uh, time. It's a new bit. It's, it's rusty. It's a new bit. But anyways, thank you all for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed listening to Joey's story. Catch Joey when you can. He'll be on the road, possibly in a city near you. Um, in the meantime, keep taking care of yourselves and follow Joey Rinaldi on Instagram at the Joey Rinaldi. The Joe Rinaldi, and you can follow me at Franco's World underscore. In the meantime, keep taking care of yourselves, and I will see you when I see you. Have a great day.